Retired Army Major General John Kronsky talks about lessons on life, leadership, and love. Coming up next, I'm Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. At Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back. We've all faced tough challenges individually, but right now, we're facing some together. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. All right, today we're talking with retired Major General John Gronsky from uh, Leadership Grove Consulting. Sir, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Before we get to talking about uh, your consulting business, entrepreneurship, you also got a really cool book uh, about a bike ride you did with your family a long time ago. Um, before we get to talking about all that, you obviously had an extensive career in the Army. Take us back and tell us what you did in the Army. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, Joe. And Joe, before I do that, I just want to thank you for everything you do for the veterans community. I know you served over 20 years in, in the United States Marine Corps, and you're still serving by uh, supporting our veteran community. So so thank you sincerely for doing that. That That's awesome. You bet, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I uh, actually uh, uh, joined the Army in 1978. Uh, was out of uh, an ROTC program from University of Scranton. I served on uh, four years on active duty, and then I, I left the Army at that time. And then through the course of the next, you know, 41 years up until the time I retired this this past June, June 2019, uh, I, I went back and forth between uh, National Guard and active duty Army. Uh, just some of the highlights of uh, my career, and I'm certainly not going to cover the whole 41 years, but uh, in uh, in the year 2000, uh, as a Pennsylvania National Guardsman, I had the opportunity to serve in the country of Lithuania for a year. Now, Lithuania, former Soviet Republic, uh, mm-hmm. and again, just, just about seven years or so after they gained their independence from the Soviet Union, had an opportunity to... Uh, to work with the Lithuanians and help them understand how the United States Army conducts business, and they like to pattern themselves uh, after after U.S. In, in many ways. So that was a very rewarding experience. Uh, post 9/11, uh, got deployed and uh, had the honor to command a, a brigade over in Ramadi, Iraq, in 2005 and 2006. And you, being a Marine, will appreciate this. I my army brigade was actually task organized to a Marine division. And I also had three different Marine battalions task organized to my army brigade over the course of the, of the 12 months we, we served there since the Marines were on a seven month rotation and my brigade was on a year rotation. That's why we had three different Marine battalions come, mm-hmm. come in and out uh, as part of the TASCO. And then uh, had the uh, opportunity to command the 28th Infantry Division, which is uh, a National Guard division, 15,000 soldiers distributed throughout the, uh, the state of Pennsylvania, did some uh, really cool exercises, one in particular over in Europe as I commanded that, that division. And then I finished up my career uh, as one of the deputy commanding generals over at U.S. Army Europe. That was from 2016 until uh, I left uh, U.S. Army Europe in, in April of 2019. And then, as I said, I retired 
from the Army after about 41 years of service in uh, June 2019. So that kind of is a quick summary of my Army career. Wow, that that's a phenomenal career there, John. I appreciate that and, and everything you've done. Uh, yeah, I spent. I was in. Uh, I was there at, at Alta Cotton Airfield, right between Ramadi and Fallujah, in uh, most of the middle of two thousand four. Uh, Fallujah one kicked off uh, shortly after we got there, and then uh, Fallujah two happened right after right after we left Iraq. Um, so certainly very familiar with the territory. Plenty of missions uh, all around, uh, in and out of. Uh, Ramadi and Fallujah <laughs> during that seven months, and we went back again in oh seven oh eight after everything was over with, and we uh, we never fired one round in anger the whole deployment in oh seven oh eight, and it was just nonstop in in oh yeah. four. So amazing how things changed. Yeah, yeah, two thousand and five and two thousand and six, very violent, very chaotic, and yeah. actually my area of operation extended from Ramadi all the way over to the Habaniya, so very familiar with where where you were located at. Yeah, did uh, were you were you there long enough that you were there when it finally all just came to a screeching halt, or was it still real hot when you left? Was real hot when we left, and uh, it was interesting. About eight about eighteen months after I left, a friend of mine sent me an email with a picture of the Iraqis doing, uh, I think it was a five k run in front of the government center in 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 uh, Ramadi, and that was like. <laughs> That was like unbelievable. Talk about uh, the change. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> wow. So you've only been out of the army since, uh, since last June. And I, I, as I'm sure the same things, same thing occurs in the army as it does in the Marine Corps. When you've been immersed in, in and amongst around Marines or soldiers for 41 years, you realize you kind of have a hard time getting along with normal people in normal huh. civilian settings. So what, what kind of things have you experienced since last June when you've gotten out? And of course you're, you're older, um, you retired. There's a little bit different than, you know, the, the corporal, the sergeant getting out after four years, but so many of the things are still the same way. And oftentimes it's harder for the older guy to retire because you're more, you're more skewed and more embedded in that, that way of, of thinking that way of life. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'll tell you since, since, uh, you know, post nine 11, it, it, it's been a very hectic, uh, military career for me. And, uh, especially with the last six years, uh, you know, I, I've been a national guardsman, but the last six years I I've, I've been full time, as I mentioned, commanding the 28th infantry division. And then the three years I spent over at us army Europe, and so it was difficult uh, when I finally um, left the army. Um, you know, came back uh, over here to the states from Europe in, in April after a very hectic three years over there. I mean, I was on the move every week. I was traveling to uh, to a different country to engage with our soldiers or leaders from uh, the various uh, uh, NATO allies that we we have over there. So. I'll have to say it, it, it was difficult. Uh, you know, I I was moving at a very quick pace, and then uh, when I left, it kind of came down to okay, now I've got to move at a at a pace I need to create. It's not really being created for me, and uh, therefore I uh, kind of resurrected a, a, a leadership consulting firm that I originally. Uh, got up and running in, in, uh, 2015, but then it kind of was dormant while I was over in Europe for three years and, uh, have just, uh, really, uh, 
try to make myself uh, busy with, with networking, not only in the greater Philadelphia and Pennsylvania area, but in various uh, other parts of the country. And I found, just as I, I think any soldier or Marine will find, you know, it, it, it's, not a, it, it's not a team of one, it's a team of many. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, as I transitioned out, I found it necessary for myself to create those teams of individuals through networking that I could actually work with, uh, get some advice with. Because uh, again, in, in, in the Army, especially as a, as a senior NCO or senior officer, you know, you've got a team around you that uh, you could use as, as advisors. And, and, uh, you know, when, when I left, uh, I had a, I had to find a group of people that I could rely on to provide me advice because I'm not smart enough to, to make things, uh, happen on my own. I, I need good people around me. So it was all about trying to build that network, build those people up around me who I could rely on as, as confidants and advisors in order for me to, to move forward now with the next chapter in my life. Now, as you're starting to resurrect your consulting business, you, you realize the value of that network. And we do talk about networking on the show all the time. And um, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of veterans don't understand the concept of networking or they're not very good at it. Um, one of the things is, you know, networking, it does take a long time to really, you know, come full circle and, and actually pay off or come to fruition. So when you talk about trying to surround yourself, now you're out of the military, you're trying to surround yourself with good folks in the civilian sector, probably a mix of military and civilians. Was there any one place that you were able to go to to get that started? Or did, was it mostly just trying to in and around the community in which you're living? Yeah. Well, I live about uh, two hours west of Philadelphia, but I have uh, a lot of connections in Philadelphia. And uh, there's an organization called the Greater Philadelphia uh, Veterans Network. And they've got a website and everything. And uh, Alex Archosky, who's the executive director there, he has his, he's a, a Navy veteran. He was a rescue swimmer in the Navy. Hmm. He's the executive director of, of this nonprofit, and he runs a, uh, a sales training company himself. And just, uh, you know, uh, getting in touch with him, and he was able to introduce me to uh, other people, either, either veterans or non-veterans, that I was able to uh, you know, create a dialogue with, and that, that really helped get me started. And then in the area I, I'm, I'm at here, um, near, near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, also had, you know, some of my own contacts here, both military and non-military that I was able to rely, rely on once I, I got back from Europe. So it was just a, a combination of, of people I knew about or people I had known and then just re, uh, you know, just just resurrecting those relationships with those folks that helped me in the transition out of the military into the civilian sector again. Yeah. So um, with with Leader Grove Consulting, how how well received as a as somebody that's been in the Army for forty one years? I mean, obviously the thing that the, the military trains people and creates more leaders than any other organization out there. I mean, leadership is like everything you do in the military. And then it spills over from there. There's no better leadership training grounds than the U S military. I mean, there's nobody would argue that. Um, so how do you translate what you did in the military over to the civilian side 
as far as leadership is concerned. Obviously, nobody would doubt your leadership capability, but how do you explain or how do you cross over to the civilian sector and relate leadership to what they do in the business world? Yeah, you know, Joe, that's a very important question. And for the veterans listening out there, I think it's extremely important. And I, I use the word business size. You know, you've got to business size the tactics, techniques, procedures that we learn in the military. Mm -hmm. So those who never served in the military before, uh, many of them who are leaders in, in uh, the corporate world will understand what, what you're trying to say to them. So what, what I've try, tried to do, you know, with army values, for example, or other leadership principles that, that we learn in the army or learn in the military, mm -hmm. I, I try to, uh, first of all, I like to use stories. So whether it be uh, uh, a story from uh, an experience I had in the military or whether it be from a story from an experience I've had in, in the civilian sector, I try to use those military leadership principles and, and frame them in a story that almost anybody could understand. And again, I try to use non-military jargon and businessize what I'm saying. So those who don't have any military experience could also get what I'm saying. But I, I, you know, I don't think it's worth communicating everything we've learned in the military in terms of leadership principles, if you can't get a non-military person to understand that. So I, I think, I think you really have to understand who your audience is, who you're speaking to, and then frame what you're saying in a way that they would understand. That's great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Uncertainty comes in many forms in military life, from unexpected changes in duty stations to sudden deployments. We've all faced tough challenges individually, but right now, we're facing some together. We know our members will face these times head on. Still, at Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back, because uncertain times call for reliable service. No matter what, we remain committed to serving all of our members all the time. That means our branches will remain open as long as possible. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. You can also get in touch with our world-class member service. Whether you're on ship or ashore, at home or abroad, we've had our members' backs for 87 years, in good times and bad. Maybe that's why we've been named one of the best military credit unions by U.S. News and World Report. Serving active duty, veterans, and their families. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA. Make your hotel reservations and tune up your bikes. There's a new motorcycle demonstration ride taking place in Washington, D.C. over Memorial Day weekend. For the 33rd consecutive year, a massive motorcycle run will take place in the nation's capital over Memorial Day weekend to raise awareness of the plight of U.S. prisoners of war and the 82,000 service members still missing in action. The ride will be known as Rolling to Remember. The 2020 ride will also address the national suicide epidemic, taking the lives of more than 20 military veterans a day. In close partnership with several other patriotic organizations, AMVETS is organizing what is expected to be the nation's largest political demonstration of 2020 and the world's largest one-day motorcycle event. AMVETS invites you to join us in ensuring that our elected leaders never forget the sacrifices made by those who have taken an oath to defend this nation. The event is free to the public, but sign up to ride, volunteer, or donate by going to rollingtoremember.com. Once again, that's rollingtoremember.com. 
Over the course of the weekend, scheduled events will include a blessing of the bikes at the Washington National Cathedral, candlelight vigil at the Vietnam Wall, and speaking engagement at the Lincoln Steps. Sunday morning, thousands of bikes will take off from the Pentagon parking lot and make their way around the National Mall, rounding the Capitol building in the process. Go to rollingtoremember.com for more information, and we'll see you in May. All right, we're back talking with John Gronsky, uh, from Major General from U.S. Army. So, sir, you, uh, you recently released a book. Um, it's called The Ride of Our Lives. And the, interestingly enough, this book was about uh, a bike trip you did uh, with your wife and young kid, like 15 months old. Uh, you were doing this with a 15-month-old baby back in 1983. So tell us about that ride and how eventually it came to writing a book about it. Yeah, Joe, I'll tell you. It, it was... Uh quite an adventure again, 1983. So it was an analog world we lived in <laughs> then, you know, no social media, no GPS. Uh, and I had just, uh, gotten, uh, off active duty uh, at Fort Lewis, uh, in 82. And then my wife, Barry and I, uh, continued to live up in the Tacoma area. And then it was in, uh, early 1983, we started to talk about moving back to Northeastern Pennsylvania. And it was a dream of mine, uh, since I was about 20 years old to someday bicycle across the United States. And since we were on the West coast and we were moving back to the East coast, I said to my wife, Hey, how about if we bicycle across the United States? And she said, well, what about Steve and our 15 month old baby? You know, I said, Hey, we're going to, I'll get a bicycle trailer. We'll put Steve in the trailer and we'll bicycle across the United States together as a family. So, uh, wow. That's exactly what we did. It was all self-supported and self-contained. You know, we had panniers on our on our bike, which are packs that you put your gear in. I uh, purchased a, a trailer, and again, back in 1983, the trailers for young kids to ride in aren't like the trailers they are today. It was about 25 pounds, and when it was empty, you know, Stephen weighed another 30 pounds. We had about another 25 pounds of baby bottles and disposable diapers and other stuff you need for a baby. <laughs> so I was, so I was towing about an additional 80 pounds that most cross country cyclists don't carry with them. But that, that was great because it allowed Bertie to, uh, to be able to, you know, stay with me throughout the course of our over 4,000 mile trip where we spent three months, uh, on the road and name of the book is ride of our lives lessons on life, leadership, and love. And that's a big part of the book. It's a leadership book. So, uh, you know, I get into some of the life and leadership lessons that we learned on the trip that actually served me well and highly impacted my leadership philosophy over the following decades where I continue to serve in the military and as a business leader. Wow. Hey, so after the trip was over, did Stevie have a hard time falling asleep at night because he was used to always being lulled to sleep with the sound of the road being in the bike trailer? Yeah, you know, that's no, he actually, uh, he adjusted very well uh, after a trip. Uh, <laughs> the main thing Barry and I were concerned about because as, as I was pulling Stephen in the trailer, he was kind of you know, sitting backwards looking outside the back of the trailer. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to make sure he didn't start walking backwards. <laughs> 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 but no, he, he, he adjusted very well. And, uh, we still have, you know, Steven again, 15 months old when we started 18 months old and we finished a trip, 20% of his life at that time was spent on a bike trip. Uh, but, um, uh, he being that young, he doesn't remember really anything about it, but Barry and I have great memories and, 
And the three of us, a lot of times kind of laugh as we tell stories about that trip. Okay. So how's a bike trip across the U S with your family, a leadership book? Yeah. Uh, well, we learned many life and leadership lessons, uh, on that trip. I'll, I'll just cover a couple of them very, very quickly here, but you have to, and, and, and this applies to anybody in any leadership role, but you have to be comfortable with making decisions and having the courage to make decisions. You know, I remember reading a book by Jack Welch who actually recently passed away at the age of 83, but Jack Welch, he, he was a CEO of general electric for, for 20 years. And he said in his role as the CEO at General Electric, one of the things he identified is mid-level managers really had a difficult time making decisions. And he <laughs> talked about having the courage to make decisions. And on a trip like that, first of all, making the decision to make the trip, and then through the course of the three months on the road, making uh, multiple decisions about where to, where to camp at night, what direction do we go in, those type of things. So... Uh, you know, there, there's a good bit in there about having the courage to make decisions and feeling comfortable with that. The other thing we learned is character uh, really matters. And of course, in the military, we're a, a character-based organization and values are very important to us. And we learned on, on the trip as well uh, that, that you, you have to be true to your values even when your back is against the wall. And uh, uh, that, that's an important lesson learning. And karma is a big thing. You know, at, if you're nice to people, people are going to be nice to you. And when you're out there on a trip like that, you're on bicycles, you're vulnerable, you're exposed. And it's really important that you're able to, to relate to others. And that's important in, in, in any ad- endeavor. And then uh, overcoming adversity uh, is another key part of the trip. And with any challenge like that, you know, hey, it's one thing to go out on a bike ride for, you know, five hours or six hours or something like that. But when you're when you're actually biking six to eight hours a day, day after day for three months with a baby sleeping in a two man backpacking tent with two sleeping bags, you know, making your your chow on a on a on a one burner stove. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, snow in the Cascade Mountains, climbing over the Rockies, hmm. the heat of Southern Colorado and Kansas, going through the Ozark Mountains and finally the Appalachian Mountains. There's a lot of adversity out there and a lot of challenges. And to be able to stay with that for three months and not give up, uh, you know, was really a, a great, j- just a great lesson in how to overcome adversity and not quit. And, and reach your goal. So those are some of the things that, that we cover in the book that I cover in the book that I think are important life and leadership lessons. Well, that's absolutely incredible. Like three months and you guys weren't even like hitting a comfortable air conditioned hotel at the end of the day either, you know, you yeah, it na- the whole way. Yeah. Now, now and then, you know, we paid uh-huh. in three hotel, we paid for three hotel rooms and in three months on the road. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, for, for the most part, you know, it was, it was sleeping in that, in that tent and, uh, you know, having to get up the next day and, and do it again. But it was, it was enjoyable and, and Barry and I really kept each other going and we've been married 39 years now. And I'm just so thankful that we've been able to have that, that experience in our life. That's awesome. That's a, and congratulations too. So yeah, I suppose that was, that's a probably good, good test of the marriage is if you can be on a bike ride across the U S with your wife for <laughs> three months and still be married, you're probably going to make it to 40. 
<laughs> I think I think you're right. That was a good litmus test. <laughs> and so, talk a little bit about. I mean, you did the bike trip in '83, but you just recently wrote the book. So, right. talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial aspects of actually writing and promoting a book and getting it published. Because every veteran out there has probably got a book inside of them, but most of us just can't get ourselves to sit down and write the book. It, you know, it took you this long to to write yours. Um, and and um, so talk to us a little bit about the entrepreneurial aspects and the discipline required to actually get the book down on paper. Yeah, that 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 is a great question and, and a great point. And, you know, I, I never intended to write a, you know, I didn't take the trip so I could write a book about it someday. And I, I did keep a journal, uh, you know, in some in some small notebooks uh, as we were biking across the country. And this journal had sat in a shoebox for the last 35 plus years. Uh, very seldom would bring it out and even look at it. And then this past summer, I was uh, sitting around a fire pit with my younger son, Timothy, who wasn't even born when I took the trip with Stephen and, and my wife, Barity. And he started asking me questions about the trip. And I started telling him some stories. And he said, hey, dad, you know, why don't you write a book, especially now that you're retired from the military? So it took me um, several months, you know, the summer into the fall. And we finally, uh, you know, uh, got it published in, in February of, 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 of this year. And it was just great writing a book. It was kind of a catharsis for me, just brought back a lot of good memories. And I was able to share a lot of leadership lessons as I wrote the book. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I, I never thought I could, I could write a book. I, I actually reached out to some folks I knew who had written books before and asked them if they would write the book with me. And that just wasn't going to work out. So I, I finally... And I actually got some advice from uh, 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 an author I, I knew who lives down in Washington D.C. He said, "Hey, John," he said, "just just uh, you know, take some small bites out of the elephant." He goes, "Just concentrate on one chapter at a time, and 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 just go from there." And that was some great advice. And again, you don't have to to boil the ocean. You know, you could do things in bite-sized chunks. And I think for any veteran listening, and whatever goal that veteran has in, in life, or for that matter, anyone has in life, just think about doing things in bite-sized chunks and, and little by little. Uh, you don't have to eat the, the whole elephant in, in, in one gulp. And I think if you, if you take things that way, it usually works out. And then uh, I self-published it through a, a Christian uh, book publishing company because there is a spiritual uh, component to the book as well. Mm -hmm. And um, just happy to actually see it out there. It's actually selling well on, on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And uh, people seem excited about it. I've been getting some very, um, very good reviews. And it makes me feel good that people are actually finding some value in reading the book. Because, you know, you don't want to, you know, I, I also speak and, and, and lead uh, leadership seminars and you don't want to speak or lead le leadership seminars or write something that you're expecting people to, to spend their time either listening to or reading without them getting value out of it. So it really makes me feel good that the feedback I, I've been getting is is there's a lot of value in, in, in the book as people have been reading it. You know, you spent 41 years in the army. You got plenty of time in the combat zone, some phenomenal leadership positions of all the things you could have written a book about. Can you, can you tell us why you decided to write it about 
the bike ride with your family across the U.S.? Yeah, you know, one of the reasons is uh, it was very unique. Okay, not not a lot of people bike across the United States with a 15-month-old baby. <laughs> and I really, the, the original reason I wrote, I wanted to write the book was to tell the story for my family. You know, I have two grandchildren. I wanted my grandchildren to know about the story. I just didn't want it to be some some scribble in a, in a notebook sitting in a shoebox. So I, I really wrote it uh, for my family uh, primarily. And now I'm just happy to see that other people outside of my family, you know, strangers, for example, really enjoy reading the book and, and you know, just, just, just getting some value from, from the lessons that we learned along that journey. But that, that's, the, that's the reason I, I wrote it. I thought it was unique. Uh, I'm hoping someday, you know, maybe about a year from now or, or so to, to write uh, a, a book that's specifically geared toward, toward leadership uh, itself. And, uh, but I don't know if I'm ever going to write a book about any of the time I, I spent in, in Ramadi, Iraq. Uh, I think that story has been told many times. And Joe, between me and you, I'll tell you the truth. I, I find it very hard to read uh, books, uh, contemporary history books about, about the U S, uh, involvement in Iraq, I think, and you were there, mm -hmm. I was there. I think unless you were there, it's really hard to explain. And I have a hard time talking to people about the experience over there unless they were also there themselves. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I think you, to, to me, that that was just a very personal experience, and I don't know if I'd feel comfortable writing about it for, for you know, the masses to read. You know, that's interesting you bring it up because I don't think I've read one book about the current wars we're involved in. Maybe it has something to do with why well, I was there. I saw it. Why do I need to read a book about it? I mean, that's I guess I hadn't really thought about that myself, but that's interesting. It's interesting. I, um, <clears throat> I find the way I like to put it is. I only talk about it if I know I have a captive audience. Like if you're hanging out by the pool or at the cocktail party and someone, so what was that like? I'm not going to start in on a story because I know most people are going to disengage and walk away and there's going to be interruptions and I, I'm not going to say anything about it unless I know people are listening. That's been my experience. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and I feel the same way. And, and, you know, now and then when I'm uh, speaking or, or I'm conducting a leadership seminar, I will tell some stories of something that occurred over there, but it has to have a specific purpose, mm -hmm. a moral to it. And it's never a story about me. It's always a story about a warrior who really exhibited, uh, you know, uh, just, just outstanding character or courage or, or something to that degree. Uh, but it, it's, it's gotta have, there's gotta be a reason for me to tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, John, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, I, I know you've shared some some good nuggets. Uh, if you're talking to somebody that's still in the military or, the, or they're on their way out or they just recently got out, um, whether it's in the context of writing a book or starting their own own uh, business, own company like you've done with your consulting business, like you know, in, in essence, they want to do something different besides just get out and and, and go get a job what kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah. I, I think the important thing with, even if you're still in the military, you've got to start branding yourself and, and you really have to get a feel for what is your life purpose. 
and uh, you, you have to find something. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to uh, be an entrepreneur and and get involved with with the business, it has to be something that you're passionate about. And uh, I, I think if you could start doing those type of things, you know, branding yourself, understanding what you believe your life purpose is, and then finding something you're you're passionate about to do, I, I think that that really helps with the transition. Well, that's awesome. Um, I will. Uh I will put a drop a link in the show notes for this episode um, for your book. Um, probably be an, an Amazon link. Uh, so if you're listening and um, and you want you want to check out John's book, it'll definitely be in the show notes. W- where else is your book available? Yeah, my uh, actually I'm going to be doing a, a few different uh, book signings uh, here in Pennsylvania at Barnes and Noble. So brick and mortar stores uh, certainly could have it, but I think the easiest place to get it would be on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, you know, so, sites like that would probably be the easiest place to, to find the book. That's great. Awesome. Hey, I got one little quick question. I'm just kind of curious. I know your book just came out, but have you had anybody contact you that says, you know what, your book has inspired me. Uh, we're riding across the country now with my family. <laughs> I've, I've had, <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I've had a lot, I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, throughout the book, they've they've laughed. Throughout the book, they've actually cried. So it makes me feel good that that it stirs up those type of emotions in people. And I've had uh, other people tell me that they've been inspired to to start something that they thought they would never be able to start. But uh, nobody specifically <laughs> said uh, they're going to be uh, inspired to bike across the United States with their with their toddler. Okay. Well, when that happens, you need to drop me a note and say, Joe, it actually happened. I'll let you know. There's somebody going this summer. Okay. All right. Very good. All right, sir. Well, it was great, uh, great interview. Um, great sharing your, your, your stories with us. And, um, you know, we, thanks for your 41 years of service to the country and U.S. Army. And uh, we look forward to seeing your future success. And, hey, you're supposed to be in Fort Leavenworth, which is just up the road from me at the end of the month. So uh, send me a text or something, and maybe we can hook up for a cup of coffee or lunch, something like that when you're here. Joe, I, I would love to do that. And, and again, uh, hope people have an opportunity to, to read the ride of the ride of our lives. And, and anybody who wants to, uh, to contact me, you know, I've, I've got, uh, www.leadergrove.com or johngronsky.com are two websites. People could contact me at. And Joe, I want to finish by saying again, a, gr- a big thank you to you I know you're uh, very, very involved in the veterans community there in the, in the Kansas City area. By you hosting these podcasts and get people understanding what being a veteran is all about, and this goes for people who perhaps never served in the military and are thinking of hiring veterans. When you hire a veteran, you're going to get a, a, a value-based individual who understands hard work and has the ability to be trained and, and to learn. So, Joe, thank you for everything you do to get that word out about our veteran community. All right. I appreciate that, sir. And, and thank you for what you've done. And, uh, at this point, we, that's a wrap. So, uh, you know, these two veterans are Oscar Mike. We'll ch- talk to you later. Thank you for listening to veteran on the move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>